This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 830 on Tuesday, August 18th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, we recognize that teachers and school staff are true heroes right now trying to educate our kids in the midst of the you know, largest, most impactful pandemic in over a century. State officials introduced two new health measures to assist school communities and as students and teachers returned to classrooms. Then the Democrats' national convention kicked off last night. We talked to one of Mississippi's delegates. Plus, the story behind the design and campaign that's amassing public enthusiasm ahead of the Flag Commission's vote for the final five. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi's state officials say they're seeing the state head in a positive direction in the fight against the coronavirus. July saw record highs in cases and hospitalizations, but the first two weeks of August have brought with them a downward trend in case numbers. Governor Tate Reeves says the credit goes to Mississippians. I've seen some say, well, it's just because that's the nature of the way this works. No, the virus spreads until we can do the little things to mitigate further spread. That's what's happening in Mississippi. We've seen three consecutive weeks of positive movement. The question is, can we be disciplined enough as individuals, at least for the next two weeks, to drive it down even further? And then we can talk about what can we do in the fall to keep it down. But we're not where we need to be yet. We've cut it in half. That's good. Let's be happy. But let's not rest on our laurels as we did in June. Because what I can tell you for sure is that if we let it turn around, it will turn around. If we let down our guard, the number of cases in the community will go up. Let's continue to drive down cases in the community. And that's going to help us ensure that our kids stay in school. It's going to help ensure that we can do things like sports and other extracurricular activities that matter to those many, many Mississippians across our state. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says the state could be at a tipping point and encourages residents to practice caution as schools resume and flu season approaches. This is a remarkable opportunity that if we make the right decisions and really focus on limiting transmission at this moment, we can have an entirely different trajectory than we might otherwise. If we let our guard down, and we do have some challenges going into the next few weeks with schools opening up because we are seeing exposures happening within the schools and with colleges especially, and many of you may have been monitoring some of the activity in colleges, we've seen massive, um, you know, parties that violate the rules as they are. And there's going to be some, there are going to be outbreaks in those scenarios. So we have some real opportunities. We also have some real threats. And certainly we'll be working closely with all partners to see what we can do about that. But I encourage everyone to please double down, mask up, maintain your distance, avoid groups. And if you have kids in college, tell them to stay home and stay in small groups because we're going to have some real trouble out of that, I have no doubt. 
Schools in 71 Mississippi counties have reported outbreaks of the coronavirus to the State Department of Health. 245 teachers and 199 students have tested positive for the virus, and 2,600 are in quarantine. Dr. Dobbs says the health department is beginning a new initiative to offer all teachers free COVID-19 tests at any public testing site with no additional requirements. It'll be going through the state public health lab. We have every anticipation that it'll be within that 24 to 48 hour turnaround period we have now. Um, obviously, if we have overwhelming demand, we might have to make some adjustments and recruit some other testing capacity. We do have some backups lined up already. Um, but as far as requiring to be quarantined, if you're just getting tested um, just to get tested, you don't have to quarantine. But if you are symptomatic, then you do need to quarantine or you need to isolate, I'm sorry, until you, you, know, you get your result back. Um, or if you're if you're an exposed person to a case, you should be on quarantine anyway, and then so you would obviously be quarantined. So if you're if you're asymptomatic and just getting tested um, because you want to get tested, uh, then you would not have to quarantine. You know we recognize that teachers and school staff are true heroes right now, trying to educate our kids in the midst of the you know largest most impactful pandemic in over a century. And so um, the governor, and I thought it was a fantastic idea, and we support making sure that um, all teachers and all staff have ready access to quick turnaround uh, lab results for all that they're doing for us. Governor Reeves says they pro- the prior- they're prioritizing teachers as the initiative gets going, but he's looking at ways to expand testing access to other school personnel. In addition to testing for Mississippi's teachers, Reeves also is working with the Mississippi Division of Medicaid in providing schools access to telehealth throughout the pandemic. Executive Director Drew Snyder says the measure expands who can qualify as a telehealth presenter. DOM's telehealth policy already allowed a school-based clinic staffed by a physician, nurse practitioner, or physician assistant to serve as an originating site for a Medicaid beneficiary in need of services beyond the range of the clinic. However, many schools across the state do not have a school-based clinic or a full-time nurse on staff. With this change to the Division of Medicaid's emergency telehealth policy, any school can serve as the originating site as long as a telepresenter is present for the encounter between the beneficiary and the distant site health care provider. Telepresenters can include registered nurses employed by a school district or staff employed by a community clinic. This allows those community providers to build connections with their local schools and supply telepresenters as the need arises. During his briefing yesterday, Governor Reeves also signed the education budget bill into law, claiming it as a victory for teachers and the school recognition program. Uh, One of the things that we've seen in Mississippi over the last well, I guess since the beginning of time, is that we've seen increases in spending at the administrative level go up at a much higher rate than increases in teacher pay. And so that's one of the reasons that I was so adamant about making sure that this program, this $28 million, was funded because this entire $28 million goes to teachers. The bill Reeves signed was unchanged from the one he vetoed last month. In his original action, Reeves vetoed the line item that funded the MAEP, one of the main funding strings for teacher salaries. His veto did not include a line item that funds the State Department of Education's administrative personnel and the school voucher program.
Coming up, the Democrats' national convention kicked off last night. We talked to one of Mississippi's delegates. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hello, I'm Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, a fee-only financial advising firm and co-host of Money Talks. For over 10 years, Money Talks has been answering your personal financial questions and sharing knowledge about money management. Money Talks can be heard Tuesdays at 9 a.m. on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts can be found on our website, money.mpbonline.org, or on your smart device's podcasting platform. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Mississippi delegates to the 2020 National Democratic Convention are joining thousands from across the country taking part in the first ever presidential nomination to occur virtually. Originally planned as a wide-scale event in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, the convention has shifted to a virtual format due to health concerns related to the coronavirus pandemic. Mississippi Democratic Chair Judge Tyree Irving, a Convention veteran tells our Desiree Frazier how this nomination event will differ from previous ones. There's a lot of fun, of course, a lot of energy uh, when we all assemble under uh, one roof uh, someplace. And everybody was looking forward, of course, to going to Milwaukee uh, this year. But um, since the coronavirus pandemic intervened, uh, we had to had to adapt. What happens at a national political party convention? Well, the purpose of the convention, of course, <clears throat> is to nominate uh, your candidate for that partic- particular political party uh, that will run in the general election against the uh, a person who's put up by the opposing political party or any independents that choose to run. Uh, so it's a week of, 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 of a lot of fun, uh, a lot of um, uh, networking, and, and a little bit of partying. Uh, but the main event is uh, casting your uh, delegates uh, uh, for a particular nominee. Of course, uh, this year, the presumptive nominee, as we all know, is going to be, or is rather, uh, Vice President uh, Joe Biden. And I say pre- presumptive simply because he has not yet been nominated, but he's all but sure to be uh, nominated, although there will be some uh, votes, I'm sure, cast for uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, because he did earn some uh, uh, delegate strength uh, during the primary elections. How are delegates from Mississippi selected to participate? We have a process that begins in February of each year where Democrats uh, meet at their polling place. Mm-hmm. And um, from there, uh they are given credentials to go to uh, uh, the county convention, which normally is held in March, and this year it was held in March, I believe on March 14th. And from the county convention, uh, you, uh, individuals who are interested in becoming national delegates, of course, uh, try to become a delegate from the county convention uh, to the um, uh, congressional district convention. Uh, we refer to them quite often as the CDs. Mississippi has four congressional districts. Uh, so delegates are portioned among the uh, CDs uh, and for the entire state uh, based on the Democratic vote in the state. 
At the state level, uh, we elect the remaining delegates. There is uh, the majority of the delegates to the national convention are elected at the state level. And then we have uh, at the uh, uh, convention level, the state convention level, we elect what we call uh, additional delegates like uh, Democratic elected officials. Uh, and we also elect uh, two uh, members from the state uh, to serve on the Democratic National Committee. Uh, at the state convention. So that's the process. Hines County Administrator Jennifer Riley Collins is a new delegate this year. Even though she's missing out on the usual pomp and circumstance nominating conventions provide, she says she understands the decision to go virtual. I am a new delegate. I've never been to the convention before, so I'm a little disappointed uh, that COVID has caused us not to be able to be there. But um, considering the safety concerns, I think it's the right decision. Uh, I am looking forward to um, being able to participate virtually uh, as much as we can. Something like this, why do people become delegates? What was your inspiration? Well, my inspiration has been, as it always is, to be involved in order to make sure, to be civically engaged, to make sure that we are electing people who care about people. And what do you want to see come out of this convention? I would like to see, um, of course, uh, to be a part of uh, Joe Biden and uh, Kamala Harris, this historic uh, ticket uh, being established um, so that we can restore some civility and some morality to the White House. What do you think about Biden selecting uh, a woman of color to be his running mate? Well, women of color always uh, bring everyone to the table with them. And so I think it is well time that our qualifications for uh, positions are recognized. Uh, Senator Harris is a well-qualified candidate um, for the office of vice president. Um, you know, when you are running, when you are going for vice president, you're chosen. And I think he made a wise choice in selecting a woman of color because, uh, as, as we all know, women of color have been the backbone of the Democratic Party and have elected people across um, America, you know, have been the, the necessary vote. And so to have us at the table ourselves uh, is, is a wonderful thing. When you think back, uh, Fannie Lou Hamer, her involvement with the Democratic Party and her fight for civil rights, uh, to see this happen, what crosses your mind? Oh, I would assume that um, this heroine, uh, along with other heroines, uh, you know, are are smiling down from heaven. Uh, you know, when I think about, uh, you know, Miss Fannie Lou, uh, uh, Barbara Jordan, um, Shirley Chisholm, you know, these women paved the way. And so, uh, you know, it is it is my hope that uh, these ancestors are, are well pleased. There is going to be a Republican speaking at the convention, um, former Ohio Governor John Kasich. Surprised by that at all? Um, you know what? I, maybe I'm surprised that a Republican would speak at a Democratic convention. But you know what? The beautiful thing is is that it is time for this nation to come together, um, for us to um, go back to the days when statesmen were statesmen 
and that they looked out for the best interest of America as a whole and instead of prioritizing party platforms, even when it was not in the interest of their constituents. And so if this is a reflection of the unity and the way ahead for this country, I think it's a good thing. Well, Jennifer Riley Collins, we really appreciate you taking time to speak to us about the upcoming convention. Thank you so much for your time. You're very welcome. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. The convention, chaired by Mississippi's 2nd District Congressman Benny Thompson, began yesterday and continues through Thursday. Coming up, the story behind the design and campaign that's amassing public enthusiasm ahead of the Flag Commission's vote for the final five. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. Some of the big names that travel up and down the highways, obviously Elvis and Johnny Cash, and you have Jerry Lewis, Carl Perkins. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Johnny Cash suggested that Carl write a song called Blue Suede Shoes. That was all kind of created with Aaron Amory. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. It's called the Great River Flag. And like the riverboats of the 19th century, it's picking up steam in the effort to become Mississippi's new state banner. Named one of the nine semifinalists by the Flag Commission last week, the design is one step closer to being put on the November ballot. But unlike the others, the Great River Flag is the center of a social media campaign highlighting the versatility of the design and incorporating incorporating its elements into a variety of branding opportunities. Our Michael Guidry talks with designer Michael Whitson, a University of Mississippi graduate, about the genesis of his design and his efforts to provide Mississippi a new unifying image. When I design, I like to start with some grounding in reality. And so place is always an important element to me in my design process. And in looking at Mississippi artifacts, the oldest kind of artifact I could find was the territorial seal of Mississippi. And in the um, center of that was this, uh, they're called escutcheons. And inside that was a really beautiful shield with vertical stripes and peaks to the top of the, of the piece. And I just drew inspiration from there. And so as I was interpreting that design element that goes back 200-something years, I thought about the fact that, that, you know, everyone in the country, Mississippi is like our prime meridian. You're either west of the Mississippi or you're east of the Mississippi. It is the thing. And so I have the Mississippi River crossing horizontally across the top of the shield there to kind of represent a connection of the fields of blue, but also kind of a through line in history. The Mississippi was there before we got there. It'll be there long after, and we can celebrate that visually. And so magnolias are beautiful, but I'm not good at rendering magnolias and didn't think that I needed one on this piece and wanted to celebrate Mississippi, mainly kind of starting with the the body of water that has been the economic, historic, and cultural capital of the state, and now we can visually celebrate it. So that kind of explains how you went deep into Mississippi's past to to come up with this design concept. 
what makes this flag and 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 the design elements that you've presented uh, a good way to present Mississippi going forward, in your opinion? I think that this is a pivotal visual kind of moment in time in which there will be a the the most visible manifestation of the state is going to change and is going to be out there. And I view this as a branding and and marketing and design loving you know practitioner this is a a huge branding assignment and i think to to look at the flag as a, a starting point and to find ways to incorporate that in all of the the mediums kind of moving outward you know you go to texas and you see the texas flag but you see the texas brand everywhere and i think mississippi has the same opportunity to to give itself this new look. And come on, states just don't get to do this. This is a really exciting time. You are a designer, and you've said that you appro- you're approaching this um, as an opportunity to brand the state, rebrand the state. And I think for some people that 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 is refreshing. What do you, what do you have to say to the, the old guard that wants to use this opportunity to I guess, continue to celebrate what Mississippi was, where it sounds like you want to envision where Mississippi is going. Yeah, I think that this flag represents the best of both. I kind of think of it as a glance backward, being grounded in a reality, a visual reality that the state has had back to 1798 and that original seal, going to today in this moment in time where the state will pick something and that something will fly for the next 200 years, and that's really important. And then showing how that can be applied moving forward is is just the, the, the you know, I think that it's got the best of both worlds. It's got a look back, and it's got a, a positive head up, gaze forward as we march um, into the next couple of hundred years of Mississippi history. As a designer, uh, who, someone who makes their, their living as a designer, what would it mean for you to see this image uh this concept this this brand uh, be adopted by the state of mississippi well of of course personally it would be you know a a kind of um you know watershed design to be involved in but apart from that uh and i have this on the site in the bottom that this is the people's flag i am viewing this as my opportunity to use what i'm good at and to use my skill in a civic capacity, I'm not getting paid for this. I'm not sleeping and have taken time off from my day job to put this stuff together and to give it to the state. And I hope that this enters immediately into the public domain and is not my work. It is the flag of Mississippi for everyone to use and and recreate and celebrate as they see fit, because I I don't view this as, uh, you know, the Micah Whitson creation of Mississippi. I view this as the flat, the Great River flag for the state of Mississippi and her people. Is there somewhere people can go, uh, residents of Mississippi who are interested, uh, they can go and learn more about the design elements and, and how you're expanding on those? We have a site up that is called greatriverflag.com, and you can follow along and read more about it there. Micah Whitson is the designer of the Great River Flag, one of the nine, I guess you can say, semifinalists for the Mississippi Flag Commission. Micah, thank you so much. Honored to be able to talk about it. Thank you. 
The legislature voted to retire the 1894 flag in June. Mississippi was the only state that flew a flag with the Confederate emblem. Senator Cindy Hyde-Smith recently shared her thoughts on the decision to retire the 1894 flag. Well, the legislature did its job. They went in there and they had to accomplish that. And uh, that's how the outcome was. And they finished it up. And I'm glad it's put behind us. The state flag commission is expected to narrow its final list from nine to five today. Prototypes of the final five designs will be made and a public opinion period will take place before the commission selects the design to present to the legislature for approval. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.